Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yet another Enneagram podcast. But this one's different. Another Enneagram podcast is here to help you be a better leader for your team. We know leadership is already challenging enough, and it can be downright frustrating when your team communication breaks down. Another Enneagram podcast is here to tell you stories of leaders just like you who are learning how to lead their teams better with the Enneagram. If you want your team to communicate better, be more productive, and love their jobs, another Enneagram podcast is for you. Hey, welcome back to another Enneagram podcast. This is your host, Ryan Mayfield. Today, I'm excited to share with you an interview I did with my friend, Adam Kent. Adam is a business coach out in Las Vegas, and we had a great conversation about different personality profile systems and just the different mechanisms that we like to use and why we like to use them to help our clients. So uh, yeah, this is a great interview with a guy who definitely knows his stuff. And so you can look him up online, connect with Adam and um, yeah, see how he can help you. Here it is, my interview with Adam Kent. All right, Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Appreciate it. Well, so you and I connected a couple months back through a networking group that we're both part of. And, uh, but for my listeners, they may not be familiar with you. So give a little introduction to yourself and uh, what you do. Appreciate it. Thanks again for having me, Ryan. Yes, so my name is Adam Kent. Uh, I, my business is called Invictus Consulting, and we predominantly work with small to medium business owners on providing practical street smart strategies for their owners and teams to implement and accelerate results. That's a nice little simple way to put it. Um, I've been practicing, I was being a business coach uh, for about seven years now, started in Australia, and I've been a Vegas resident for about four years now. So loving it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. (laughs) Give just a little bit more personal background. You've come up with a word. I think you came up with the word to describe your personal background. Uh, Share share with people about that. Yeah, sure thing. You did love that, didn't you? I remember you laughing about that. So uh, culturally speaking, I guess heritage wise, uh, both my parents are mixed. On my father's side, I've got your, uh, you know, the American Japanese predominantly. And then on my mom's side, I've got the Aussie and Japanese. Um, So uh, I remember years ago when I was putting together an email as a kid, you know, we're always making funny names up and I came up with Japosican because that's Japanese, Australian and American. And so it's, yeah, I am a Japosican. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, th- this is not at all where we were talking about going with this podcast, but I'm just going to follow this little uh, rabbit trail for a second. Have you got to work in the business coaching sense in those different cultures that you got some connection to? I uh, look in Australia, it's definitely multicultural. So there were some different cultures involved, but um, uh, it's, it's, it's not something that I can say that I necessarily went down a road to specialize towards like, let's say the Japanese culture or something like that. Um, it's definitely something that I'd love to do, but if I'm being perfectly transparent, um, you know, I still speak a lot of Japanese, uh, but I can't read or write it anymore. I just don't use oh. it enough. So I need to train myself and get back to that culture um, in order to really, really pursue that that avenue. But that's yeah. definitely an idea. In fact, I'm going to write that down. I think that's uh, <laughs> going to be a 2020, 2021 goal, maybe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was just curious. You know, I know different cultures have obviously different values and and the way that they go about things. And so I was just thinking like, man, business coaching from culture to culture would vary quite a lot. Just you have to be familiar with a lot of different customs and norms and things like that. And so uh, I, I love getting into that conversation yeah. with people 
just because, oh, absolutely. you know, I grew up in a place that was not multicultural at all. And so uh, anytime you get to get outside of just a single cultural viewpoint, I think that has a ton of benefit. Uh, so absolutely. I just, I find that conversation really interesting. Yeah, look, I mean, I mean coming from the different cultures, uh, experience a lot of, a lot of the, the craziness that comes with being multicultural. Um, I definitely have applied a lot of the different things from the different cultures into certain contexts. And it's an, it is incredible in terms of how much of a difference that makes, you know, and on one note, um, you know, as, as you are a specialist in, um, in Enneagram and, and I'm predominantly with the DISC methodology. Um, one of the things that I do share sometimes in those conversations is, uh, as an example with the Japanese culture, if you're closing your eyes and you're having a conversation, like, you're like, Mm-mm. you know, the Western civilization tends to talk a lot about how like, you know, you're not paying attention. Look at me when I'm talking to you. And it, uh-huh. and it can actually be very disrespectful. Right. But in yeah. Japan, it means literally the direct opposite. If I'm closing huh. my eyes and I'm like, Mm-mm. it actually, it's actually showing that I'm, I'm like very much in tune with what you're saying. I'm listening as carefully as I can. And I'm very much trying to hear what you're saying and wow. think about it, you know? So, so those breakdowns is something that I've personally experienced moving from Japan to Australia, having my eyes closed and teachers screaming at me. And I'm like, what the heck? I'm paying <laughs> And like, there were a lot of the differences that I had to learn culturally too, just in jumping around. So man, that's amazing. Important. I, yeah. See, I, I figured you had something on that topic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know. Well, so let's switch gears then. This is going to be one of those really cheesy segues that you hear sometimes from culture, culture to like business culture, right? Nice. Hey, uh, good segue. That was good. Thank Smooth. you. Thank you. That's, I pay myself <laughs> the big bucks for that. Um, but, um, but so let's talk about that and, you know, Tell, give a little bit more detail. What does it look like for you to work with a company on their, their culture? How do you, uh, you mentioned disc already. How do you use that? And, and yeah, what's it look like when you work with a company? So when it comes to, uh, I guess, behavioral models, right? There are so many, as you know, uh, out in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. the last report I read, there was over 2,500 different types of assessments that are Good available. grief. Right now, I, I honestly do not know whether that includes a lot of those real quick Facebook ones like, you know, pick this color and we'll tell you what kind of, you know, person you are or what your life is going to look like and those kind <laughs> right. of tests. But Which Harry Potter house are you? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, you know, um, as we've discussed offline, you know, a couple of times now, <clears throat> like the importance of understanding your own behavior, right, is where we align so well and, and we yeah. talk so about that so it's not a conversation around is Enneagram better or is disc better or is Myers-Briggs better Um, you know it's a conversation around is it accurate is it reliable is it validated Mm. and what works best for our client right Right. Um, now personally speaking I have found that disc for me worked really well uh, because of the simplicity of it Um, having the four corporate model um, you know, just by getting a basic understanding of where the communication is coming from allows you to really adapt the conversation and adapt even the verbiage you're using and things like that to really kind of uh, enhance that conversation and communication. Um, the reason why I personally stayed away from things like Myers-Briggs or other things like that was just because for me personally, um, 
the complexity of it and how many other terminologies and all the other things that they use. Right. Um, and you and I laughed about this with Myers Briggs. Like, you know, what, what were you again? What was I? I'm, uh, I, I think don't remember. Like an ENTJ or something, but you know, <laughs> we just, we couldn't get in any more depth than that. Right? right. But again, that kind of stuff works amazingly for some people, just not yeah. for, let's say yourself or me, hence right. Enneagram and this. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like it's, very important to understand some of the differences, what they offer, and what really applies and works for who we're dealing with. Um, and from a culture perspective of a team, anything ter in terms of using a behavior model and applying that that technology, if you will, is going to benefit the company. You know, I've I've spoken to uh, uh, married partnership couples, stuff like that, where their personal lives get so entangled in the business that. You know, um, even though one person has a position of CEO, for example, um, the other refuses to listen because the personal stuff is getting in the way. And mm. the impact it has on their productivity, um, on their team, on their ability to scale is monumental, right? Yeah. But yeah. understanding that, that behavioral model and what goes on for them internally, it's like, oh my God, that's why I get so frustrated with you. That makes sense. So if I did this and this, would that be better? And they're like, yes, that's all I've been asking. Oh my God. And, and they, they automatically click and they get along better. They communicate more effectively and they're able to, in a lot of ways, separate that, that personal conflict or personal, you know, dialogue to make it much more professional and, and do what's effective and works for their company. Oh? Yeah. And then on a larger scale, obviously understanding yourself and others better means that you're naturally going to get better results, you know? Um, I, I don't know if you ever share this with, uh, with the Enneagram conversations, but something that I share often with, um, with everybody that I speak to when it comes to just behavioral models in general is that there's three parts to it. I always say, what does it mean to me and how does it apply to me? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you and how does it apply to you? And then right. what does it mean to us? Right. right? So yeah. it's like an I, me, you, and we conversation. Yeah. And it, it, you know, as simple as that may sound, you know the complexity behind that. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is whole, oh, yeah. whole lot of depth. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, not that you need to share any specific names or anything, uh, mm -hmm. clients, but are there any stories you can think of recently of just some, some big results that you've seen in some of your clients just going through, uh, whether it's DISC or some you know, other service that you guys offer. How, how have you seen that actually tangibly impact somebody recently? Absolutely. It's a good question. Um, I'll stick to just like the Corona period, right? Because I know that's really top of mind for a lot of people out or pretty much everybody yeah. out there, yeah. um, whether business or personal. And, um, um, you know, I can't say that it's specific to DISC by any means. It's definitely, again, a behavioral conversation in general, right? And I do apply DISC and use that uh, as it is, you know, my personal preference and it does work uh, for a lot of people. But um, if someone wants to use Enneagram, I literally tell them, I'm like, I don't care whether you use DISC, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs. But the fact is, if, if something isn't, isn't actually known here and you don't build that awareness, right. you're going to continue to have the same challenges, right? right. So uh, uh, along with using DISC or those conversations and also having the conversations around you know, as, as business coaches do, you know, looking at some of their metrics, um, looking at the structure, looking at how the productivity is going, um, a combination of those discussions. Um, you know, one client uh, recently shared that he's grown by over about 100 to 200 percent in the last 100 days or so. Wow. You um, mean like in, revenue? Yes. Or? Yeah. And wow. he's also brought on a new team member 
into the into the company um, who has been really, really, uh, I guess, productive and, and supportive in creating some of the SOPs or the, you know, the guidelines, the processes, the systems, um, which was lacking. Um, he's even now working on certain sales process material that we're, we're working together on in order to, um, you know, continue to accelerate those results that he's produced. Yeah. Um, uh, another client uh, who's in graphic design, this incredible person, um, just a great character, you know, great individual. Um, he was really struggling to manage his time, mm. right? And uh, one one story that I share often about him was that uh, he was running a certain project that he offered, and it would take normally about a six hour period for him to complete that project for a client. And he was telling me like, "It's just look, it's profitable, it's great, but I mean, I just can't leverage my time. I don't know what I'm yeah. doing here." And as we dove deep into the systems or what he was actually doing, we were able to actually shift a few things, implement a couple of other structures, remove a couple of ineffective things that he was doing. And that six-hour project, same profit, same quality, but now taking him maybe an hour and a half to do instead of six. Wow. Yeah. Right? So massive increase in productivity. Um, I've had another client in uh, in very much in a sales role. Uh, she herself isn't a business owner, but works as part of the team in a company, but just such mm -hmm. an incredible person that um, I, I really did want to work with her on improving and, and yeah. just coaching her because she's extremely coachable. And as you know, that's number one key for us, right? You oh, have to yeah. be coachable. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she just shared with me last month, I believe it was, that her sales have doubled. Her average dollar sale figure has gone up. Um, wow. Her, her, um, average order quantity has gone up as well. And that was through this coronavirus period, uh, coronavirus period too. So really great okay. results. So take that example and connect that to the services that, that you provide. So w did you do disc stuff with her? Is that, how does uh, that translate into her doubling her stuff like that? A lot of what I do when it comes to the sales stuff is very much about creating a customer journey, right? Um, hmm. Now, I use what we call an upside-down teacup method. Now, very okay. simply put, imagine that half circle upside down, yeah. and you've got your pre-sales on the left. You've got your during sales on the top, and you have your post-sales on the right. And what most people neglect to actually create a structure around is that retention model that brings you back up to during sale. Hmm. Um, so I actually have some content on there, and I'll, I'll provide the link for you so that any of your listeners yeah. can get you know downloaded if they want to for free. Um, but... Uh, it's a very in-depth conversation around what their sales structure looks like. And we go into the questions you ask, what I like to call word tracks. And, um, you know, that would be like, a, and what does it look like for you to X, Y, Z, right? And so right. that word track is what does it look like? Um, and that's all you remember. And it forces you to engage in the conversations with the people more instead of thinking on your own, assuming or talking over them. You're really engaging and getting what you need from them to, uh, to have uh, a higher level of depth of conversation. Um, now, using that kind of uh, that conversation, along with the structures, along with really getting clear on on what questions you're asking, when the intention and outcomes of each of those stages that you may go through, uh, as well as then the behavioral stuff, obviously with DISC and things like that. Um, it, it's a wide range of things that we talk about, but um, those things all together in in a very structured format, and then having a clear implementation model of what you need to action to produce the results is what really transforms that. Um, yeah. But it's, it's unfortunately one of those things that is not such a simple answer. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it is simple. It's just not easy to accomplish. Right. But it's anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. You know, um, 
you know, for anybody that is looking for sales out there trying to figure it out, three simple things that you can look at. And it, I guarantee it, like if you track and measure this and you put this in place, then you will see better results. And that's if you actually track your conversion rate and get a clear, a crystal clear number on that. And I'm talking about from inquiry to new client. If you track right. and measure that number, how many calls you make, how many phone call, uh, conversations you have, um, how many presentations you do, and then how many clients you have, right? Track those numbers. You get clear on your average dollar sale, right? And that average dollar sale is essentially you have 10 clients, you have $1,000 in your pocket. That means each client is worth $100, right? Yeah. This is a simple yeah. example. And the third thing is your, your target right? Like know what your goal is at the end. What's your outcome? And with those three numbers alone, if you know and understand that, you know, I want to, I want a thousand dollars, right? But I have a conversion rate of 10%. You can get a clear number of exactly how many people you need to talk to, get in front of in order to achieve the result you want. And most people do not track to that extent, Mm. right? Just by getting that clear, you're going to increase your results without even having any further discussions. Yeah. Well, and that, that just goes to something that I'm sure you talk about when you're doing culture personality stuff, just like Mm -hmm. I do, is that just general awareness makes a huge difference, right? Absolutely. Like not even, like you said, not taking a whole bunch of extra steps after that, just the awareness itself, bringing it top of mind changes what you do. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's actually, I think, uh, I don't know if we spoke about this the last, in our last chat, but uh, um, there's a book called Insight and I'm an advocate of it, right? It's by a lady named Tasha Urich and she does a TED talk as well, but she's predominantly known as a self-awareness expert and she's done thousands of surveys and read through 800 different reports and things like that. And what they found was that about 95% of the population believes really well and truly thinks that they're self-aware. Whereas in fact, when they conducted their research and got the hard data, it was about 10 to 15% that actually are self-aware, right? Right. And the question she asked is very powerful. It was, if you were not as self-aware as you think you are, how would you know? Mm, Yeah, that's good. And that question is, it's a real thought provoker. And and when when we're dealing with that as a reality, right, we all think we're self-aware. So then if we're not, what do we do about it? How do we actually transform? How do we enhance ourselves if we already think we know? So, you know, I think the most important thing to do, as you just shared, is, um, you know, is build that self-awareness, constantly challenge yourself, go out and get coaching or speak to a mentor or take a training program or do the Enneagram or DISC or both, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) whatever, just, just educate and continue to build that awareness. Yeah. So I'm just going to continue to follow this, this trail here. Sure. You know, you talked about lack of self-awareness, people not knowing what, that they're not self-aware. Mm-hmm. What have you seen? And I, I know I'm asking you to just shoot from the hip here, but no what have you seen that might be potential red flags or warning signs when the people leading a company are not self-aware? Uh, yeah, that's a good question, actually. Yeah. There's, there's going to be certain observable conversations, right? That's probably the easiest thing you can look for because then you're not having to dive deep or do like a bunch of analysis on figuring out who these people that might need support are. Um, One of the main things you can listen for is, you know, but that's just the way I am, Mm. right? That, that right there is a great indicator that, that, um, you know, in, in the behavioral world, there's a conversation around a crutch, right? As in you're using it as a crutch or you actually enhance yourself. Right. Uh-huh. And so the crutch behavior is where literally think crutches, right? It's stopping you. 
And if an individual ever says, well, you know, I am the way I am, or that's how I've always been, you know, I, I can't, you know, that's just it. Um, yeah. Even when they're using the Enneagram, for example, if there's like, yeah. you know, oh, well, I'm a nine, I'm a nine, that's how I am. You're using it as a crutch. You're not actually doing anything beneficial for yourself then, right? So when you right. hear those conversations, it's a great way to approach and challenge that and, and ask them, okay, and, and why does that, you know, and, and how does that serve you in life? If you're, if you're in a conflict, right? That, that's the way I am. And how does that serve you in your life? You know, they're right. like, oh, well, you know, of course, some people don't like it, but whatever, you know, that's how it is. And you can continue down that level of conversation like, okay, but if it doesn't work for you, what if there was another way? What if I could show you another way? What if we could have a conversation and, and give you an alternative, uh, alternative method that works for you so that you can, you know, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Things yeah. like that. So that's probably one of the biggest clues in terms of someone who's not self-aware. Um, and uh, on the opposite spectrum, uh, the other one is that, what are you talking about? No, I'm totally self-aware. I really, really know myself. Like, I'm so <laughs> self-aware, you know? Like, I read books, <laughs> you know what I mean? But when people talk like that, it's often we, we get that click as we hear them. We're like, yeah, I get you read books, but you're not applying anything in our conversation right now. Right, so, right? right. And you get that hit, right? So as they're, as they're having that conversation... Um, an easy question to ask is, okay, that's awesome, you know, and you never want to put it down, right? But it's like, you know, that's awesome. Like, I love that you read so many books. Out of curiosity, what what have you read that you can apply right now in what we're dealing with? Mm, yeah. And asking that question then goes from, I know what I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing and that kind of, that ego to then them having to actually follow through and apply what they know. And they're either going to succeed in doing that right then and you're going to go, wow, no, that's incredible. And you'll get some insights or they're yeah. going to stumble a bit go, oh, what, what, um, uh, and be like, that's okay. So let's talk about what we can do here. And now yeah. again, it opens up that dialogue. Yeah, that's you know? good. I think good. one of the main things that we need to remember as leaders though, is that, is that so much focus is around being right or being wrong, right? Mm. Or even, even, even just like that context, right? And if we can get ourselves as leaders to shift out of that thought process and really consider what works for the company, right? Is it, is it serving us the way it should be? Or is it, is it providing the you know, effectiveness that we want? Then great. But when it comes to a conversation of that workability and it's, it's, it's effective or it's not, you're not making someone wrong anymore. You're not attacking their character or their personality or who they mm. are. What yeah. you're sharing is that as a company, right, we want to be more effective and this doesn't work. So how can we get effective together? What, what can we shift together, right? And there's a lot of those conversations involved then. And you can't come from the same place when you're talking effectiveness and what works as you would when it's right and wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It just won't be the same conversation. Yeah. So, you know, as you're talking about helping other people identify maybe areas where they're not as aware as they think they are. You know, I think about, I mean, it's probably this way with disc, but with Enneagram, it's really tempting, you know, if you're doing an Enneagram training and somebody's sitting in there and listening to it, they might think about themselves some, but it's very tempting for people to be like, Oh yeah, I know somebody like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And you know, we, it's, we have this proclivity, I think just mm -hmm. to see it better in other people. Right. Uh -huh. Than we do in ourselves sometimes. And so, you know, for that person, how do you, let's say it's the person listening to this right now. That's a leader that is like, yes, I can help other people figure out, you know, where they're not aware. Yeah. Um, how does that leader that's listening know if they themselves are 
unaware. Are there any red flags they should be looking for for their own self-awareness? Um, I guess uh, to, to, to start that, right, that's a pretty deep question. I love these questions, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think one of the most important things, though, as leaders is to understand that, you know, we're not the be-all and end-all. We don't know everything. We can never have all the answers ourselves, right? Right. And to have a mentor or a trusted colleague that will give you not what you want to hear, but mm. what you need to hear. I mean, yeah. the real feedback, the things that are hard to hear, right? If you, I think if you don't have someone like that in your life, find someone, hire someone, do something about that yeah. now, right? That's Especially great. if you're in that leadership position. Um, and that comes to the second point about feedback. It really is about feedback, right? And there's a big difference. There's a conversation I have around validation versus feedback, right? Okay. And a lot of people, when they're asking questions, are unaware that they're actually looking for validation. Right? And if you think about this, for example, it's like, I just finished this report. And I'm like, Ryan, you know, can you read this and just tell me what you think? Like, I think it's pretty good, but I'm just not too sure. And I just want you to have a look and just tell me, right? right. And you're like, yeah, no worries, right? Yeah. That's such a standard conversation. And then yeah. you'll come back and be like, you know what? Yeah, it was good. And that's about it. Or right. you come back and you're like, eh, look, I'm not really too much of a fan. I think it's a bit too long. And the person now is offended, right? right? <laughs> because they're not looking for feedback. They're looking for validation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Now, the the difference would be that if I'm reading my report, I already know what I love and what I'm like, oh, I'm just not sure about. So when you're asking for feedback, be specific, be clear in your conversation. As in, look, you know, the, the content here we're talking about is Enneagram, but you know, the title I have, it just, it just, I'm just not sure about it. Like I, it doesn't ring. I don't feel like it connects, right? Could you look at it and maybe have a quick read and, and just tell me your opinion. Do you think it connects? Right? right. And then you're like, you know what? It does or it doesn't I'm like perfect. I appreciate that feedback. Right. It's yeah. very, very different. Right. So as a leader, the ability to actually listen for that difference between validation and feedback and to clarify it when it's required is a huge thing. And having that mentor or the coach or the trusted colleague that will give you the hard things that you, you know, to hear and have that honest conversation with you um, is absolutely critical. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a, easy steps to take. So I'm not asking you to give away all your secrets for free here, but you know, how do you as a leader then, if you're like, okay, I, I need to get feedback to see if I'm really doing as well as I think I am, or if maybe I'm missing something. So the problem with that is that a lot of people have trouble being honest with leaders, right? Because there could be potential repercussions for that, right? So if you're that leader who's prepared to start this feedback process, an honest feedback process, how do you create an environment where the other person is comfortable giving you honest feedback? You know what? That's, that's probably the best segue into uh, the Enneagram or disc conversation right there. Because okay, let's ultimately do it. speaking, it's all about delivery, right? Okay. Now, um, I'm going to just share, like, let's say, because a lot of people tend to have uh, run into to challenges when they're discussing things or trying to talk to someone that's very direct. Mm -hmm. So it's an, it's an easy conversation to have for a lot of people then. Yeah. And many leaders are said to be quite direct and, and mm. can kind of get a bit authoritative, uh, authoritative sure. if they're not careful, right? Aware. So um, in terms of like if someone's absolutely direct, very, very just straight down the line, results-orientated, task-orientated, and things like that, where does that fit in the Enneagram? Where if they're just super direct, I mean, there's a yeah. couple of numbers that definitely come to mind. Um, eights are usually the most direct. Um, threes okay. can be, but but eights would 
probably be the leader in that category. Okay, perfect. So I'll, I just want to make sure that we're actually speaking Enneagram too for the listeners that are very familiar with that. Yeah, um, sure. So let's say, for example, um, you have an eight in the Enneagram, right? Now, clearly, they speak a certain way. They speak a certain language. They speak a certain uh, tonality, right? Like a, even the, the probably the speed or the speech pattern, right, is, mm. is a certain way predicting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, now, knowing those things and understanding that they're very much task orientated, results orientated, and you know it's not so fluffy um, or or feelings based or relationship based, right? Right. Now, right. me is very much a relationship based individual. Um, and, and very much a feel context conversation person. If I'm sitting down or I'm speaking to that number eight character, right. Mm. Then if the adaption comes in, when I change my language, when I actually adapt how I'm communicating, right. So instead of like, Hey Ryan, you know, I really feel like, um, you know, the feedback's going to be important for me. And I think it would really make me feel better. And and I I feel like I can get along better with the team. And I feel like we're, you know, we'll just be happier. That eight (laughs) is going to be pulling their hair out. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So when I'm speaking to them and understanding that the Enneagram model, right, or the DISC model, whatever, actually consciously adapt what you're saying, which many people, again, the difference between um, knowing and doing, right? Yeah. They'll just go up to them and be like, yeah, no, you know, we should do this. And yeah, it's like that. And then they walk away like, I, I did what I did. I know they're an eight, but nothing changed. And right. it's because they didn't adapt themselves. Right. So in speaking to the eight, it would be using very specific words like, you know, instead of feel, you're like, I think, right? And you're not talking about people, you're talking about the tasks, results, productivity. So it's right. like, I think that if you and I can come together and, get, um, and provide some, some effective feedback for each other, we're able, we're, what we're going to be able to do is actually increase our productivity produce the results we're looking for in an accelerated rate and we can avoid all the drama that you and I just don't want to talk about and waste our time right. with all these people. And that right. person would be like, yeah. And they're more on board. And now there's a reason for them to give that feedback in a certain way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's that buy-in. You know, it's funny uh, if anybody has set through an actual Enneagram training with me, one of the things that I say pretty much every time uh, is very, very uh, parallel to, to what you're talking about right now. It's the idea of, of languages. And I kind of poke fun at, you know, the, the, your average white American person like me who might travel to another country that maybe English isn't the predominant language. Uh And, um, you know, let's say they do that and they're needing to find a bathroom. Um, do you know what they normally say whenever they're looking for a bathroom in a place that doesn't speak English? <laughs> well, I know, I know what they'd ask for in Japan, but not other places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so if, if like a, a white, you know, American, just average American person travels, this is, you know, an indictment on us as Americans, like being bad at other cultures. Uh, when they're in a place that doesn't speak English as their primary language and they're looking for a bathroom, they mm. tend to say, where's the bathroom? Oh, right? yes. Like okay. bathroom, bathroom, yeah. where's the bathroom? Right. And it's, and it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't cross our minds that it does not matter how many times or with what cadence or what volume we say the word bathroom, we're not speaking their language. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's how we operate so much when it comes to personality and communication and stuff is we just, when someone doesn't understand or doesn't connect with us, we tend to just double down on our own way of communicating. Yeah. And, or, or and speak then we're slower, confused. Oh right? yes, absolutely. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so I just found that interesting. You're talking about adapting your language. And I tell people it's a bit like learning another language, right? Now, if you're going to go visit France, do you have to become fluent in French? No, but it certainly helps to learn some of the keywords that you think you might use, right? Absolutely. And so like, that's, that's a lot of how I talk about it when I'm working with teams is I'm like, okay, I don't need you to become an expert on all of the different personalities of the Enneagram but it might be helpful to learn a few key things about the people you work with the most often. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good start. Definitely. Definitely a good start. Yeah. Anyway, man, talk a little bit more. I know you're trying to avoid like talking too much about disc as this is another Enneagram podcast, but talk a little bit more about why you enjoy disc and, and how you've seen it be helpful for different people or teams that you've worked with. Absolutely. So um, I first fell into DISC and, and personality profiling, behavioral models, uh, you know, in general, when I was about 19 years old and I was studying at the Australian College of Applied Psychology. And um, the first test that I actually took was the Myers-Briggs. And I remember going through the 80-something questions, getting this little report out, and it's like the ENTJ, and I'm reading through this thing, and there's like all these other meanings and everything else and all the in-depth stuff and report after report. And I remember reading it, and I really did do my best to read it and, yeah. and understand it. And as I started to apply it in the classroom where we physically took it, I noticed that literally 90% of the people in the room just said what they were, but had no understanding of what that meant or how to apply it. And so I started scratching my head and I was asking the facilitator about what other models there are. I've heard some other ones. I want to see the other ones. And Hmm. and I kind of dove deep and uh, ended up uh, doing the Enneagram, doing DISC, doing Myers-Briggs and a few others. And uh, when I did the DISC model, uh, what blew me away um, was just the simplicity of it. And and again, like if, if you understand my style too, uh, I'm, I'm what you put as an I category, high I category in DISC as a default behavior. And okay. predominantly in that behavior, I'm spontaneous. Um, I'm the kind of person that you want to invite to a party because I'm a lot of fun, but you don't want me <laughs> organizing it because I'll forget to send the invitations out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of the stereotypical I, if you will. But um, the details just was something that was such a weakness for me. And honestly, it took a world of effort when I actually started to get involved in coaching uh, over seven years ago. That was when it really shifted for me. And I learned how to really adapt that detailed behavior. But up until then, it'd been a moot point in my life. It was just no detail, full stop. Um, But with the DISC model, when, when I got the understanding of that, it really started to allow me to apply and realize, oh my God, I do talk so quickly, right? And when I was talking to somebody that was far more reserved or quieter, right? It was like, no wonder they just look at me and they're like, whoa, you know, and I'm way too intense, right? And I'm just thinking they're judging me or something like that. Yeah. And, and so uh, uh, what I started to do then was uh, I started to practice it. And I, I talked to someone that was really quiet, really reserved, more monotone almost. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me try if I just slow down what I'm saying and I'm emphasizing a few key phrases more like that. Mm. And as I started to communicate with them like that, 
there was a shift in our relationship. It's right. like, whoa, this is crazy, you know? Like, <laughs> oh my God, it's like magic, you know? And I just got really excited. And, and yeah. from there, it just took off, you know? And, and I, when I did some research, uh, I found that all the way back to the Greek philosopher days, uh, I believe it was either Empeclides or Hippocrates that, that basically really started this whole stuff in a way and got it really known. But um, back then when they started, they believed that you could, you could predict the person's behavior or character in that sense right huh. um through understanding of their blood and vile and yeah, there's a test right. there's a book called personality plus actually if anyone's interested in seeing that and they talk about choleric melancholy sanguine and phlegmatic which right. is what it's all about um and when i started to go way, way back through history and then i started to bring it all the way to the present day i noticed there was a line of those four quadrant methodologies and there was yeah. an adaption to that. And there was more depth and changes and all this other stuff. And it got me really excited because you could literally trace almost that lineage way through history and, and the, the increase, you know. And um, I know uh, a lot of people in psychology are familiar with Jung and um, yeah. Jung had his typology as well. And there was some, some links to that almost. Um, and then, I, I, look, I love fun and everything else. And so when I found out about the guy, um, uh, Marsden, who, who created Disco initially, um, how he invented the lie detector and was also the creator of Wonder Woman, I thought that was huh. hilarious. I'm like, wow. this guy creates a personality profiling thing, one of the most recognized, you know, superhero characters of our day. <laughs> lie detector test like this guy's pretty yeah. cool you know oh, wow yeah. yeah so it just got me in more and more involved but but um you know it definitely was a simplicity that that i fell in love with um uh, outside of that in terms of the application for for clients as a reality um even if they don't take the disc model if they don't invest into that actual assessment um it's it's an easy conversation to say listen um do they talk when they when they're communicating with you are they pretty quick in their communication like i am or do they tend to talk a little bit slower, emphasize hmm. things a little bit more? Like, how do they communicate? They're like, oh, well, they're like this. I'm like, okay, great. And um, uh, do they tend to be like, you know, I think this, I think that. Or are they like, I feel like this, I feel this way. And they're like, oh, no, think, think, think. They're always saying, right. I think this, think that. Like, I'm already in my head. I'm, I know where they're going. Right. right. And it's simple in that sense. And then, and then it's like, just to clarify, there's a couple more questions. Are they more task orientated or do you believe that they, you know, are they talking more about how people interact and more about the relationships? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. those just those simple questions allow me to distinguish, okay, and not to pigeonhole anybody, but again, just right. to get some clarity around, okay, it sounds like they're probably going to be more around the behavioral style of a D or a C or an S or an I in general. And just understanding that quadrant I'm able to shift my language or shift my communication to be more effective. And mm. I've used it in very simple conversation with clients where uh, one had a big client that he was trying to, he was right on the finish line with. He discounted, the client wasn't aware he discounted. And then this client was like, listen, I want more money off. And this guy had already knocked probably 25% off his own commission to win this wow. deal because it was worth it to him. But yeah. he never communicated any of the value he'd already provided. Mm. So yeah. I went this conversation with him because he's like i don't know what to do and initially it was reaction i'm gonna let this guy go screw it i don't want this deal if he's gonna screw me down like this i don't want to deal with a client like that so right. first of all it was the awareness of is he actually doing that or is there missing communication on your part you need to be responsible for right. when there was that clarity asking those little questions around you know the behavioral style gave us a very clear indication of where that person was coming from so i gave him a few tips and strategies around what he can shift in his communication 
to speak into their listening. He, he texts me about an hour later and said, dude, not only did I close the deal, but the guy said he respects the fact that it wasn't about money for me. It was about the relationship. He respects the fact that I was willing to let it go and do this and do that. And like, he was so happy. He got the paperwork and literally paid me today. Wow. You know? So it was, awesome. it was a sh- like that massive shift is possible when you apply this stuff. Yeah. You know? And that's why I say Enneagram, this, Mars, whatever works for you, just do something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, so uh, I'm just going to give you more opportunities to plug yourself here. Tell me <laughs> um, kind, a little Ryan. bit like if, if somebody's listening right now, who's, who's kind of the ideal person that you're looking to connect with that might be listening to this? And, and if they are, what's, what's the first step for getting started with you? Uh, so the ideal person that I, I just absolutely enjoy working with are the ones that feel like they've hit a glass ceiling, right? Mm. A person that is almost, you know, they're very dedicated to trying, let's say, right? Quote unquote trying. And they've tried constantly. They are searching for the answers or the resolutions or the solutions, but they just keep hitting that glass ceiling, right? Right. And it could be to do with uh, the, I mean, two predominant things we discuss all the time is either it's to do with their finances or to do with their time. Right? Mm. But when you're running into those struggles and you just haven't been able to crack that glass ceiling, it's often just a few things. So um, they tend to be coachable because of the fact that they are searching, they're listening, they're trying already, and they have that, right? and, they're, and they're taking actions. They're just struggling, right? So those kind of people are ideal because they're already doing so much that when you come into the mix as a coach and you can truly work with them on that mm-hmm. level, they have some phenomenal breakthroughs, right? And, and I know yeah. you've experienced it. It's, it's incredible. And it's just, yeah. you know, that's what excites me, right? Is that, yeah. is, it, is that breakthrough. And a lot of it comes down to, you know, the, the ability to just, whether it's spend more time with their loved ones or to be mm-hmm. able to actually breathe and enjoy a day or to mm. not stress out about where they're going to get the money to pay for that next bill. You know, that right. disappears a lot. Of them. So yeah. yeah, as far as um, what to do or, or how to get in touch, um, you know, my, my uh, website is InvictusLV for Las Vegas.com, InvictusLV.com. Um, if you jump on there, uh, you can check out a bunch of the content that's available too. Uh, but, you know, honestly, give me a call. Shoot me an email. I'm more than yeah. happy to connect. And even if it's just for a conversation and you only need one quick chat, I'm more than happy to help. You know, like it's yeah. all about making a difference. It's all about adding value. Um, that's what I'm a big believer and I'm committed to. So more than happy to support wherever I can. Yeah. Awesome. In fact, if you don't mind me sharing this, Brian, um, I'll provide you with the link and then like the actual details of the password so people have it but um on my page i have a resources section and uh it, it is password locked but if you type in the password be unconquerable mm. then that'll give you access to the back end and if there's even one thing that you find useful and that that makes a difference perfect but feel free to go in there and download and take what you want you know yeah. apply it use it whatever there's some articles uh there's some ebooks there's some templates there's some, you know, just a bunch of random things in there that, that are all, you know, related to disc as well as business. In general. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll definitely put the, the link for all that stuff in the notes for people to check out. And I hope they do. Um, so last kind of thing here, you know, if you got a leader listening, who's got a team, they're trying to figure out how to lead better. What's your kind of, you know, parting advice for them in this podcast? Call Ryan. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that to but i'm podcast. gonna need yeah that's great i appreciate that what else <laughs> look um uh if there's one thing that i can share it 
it is it is really around the conversation around that self-awareness and the reason why is because a lot of people like to go around saying you know knowledge is power i know a lot i've you know mm -hmm. i've got a degree and whatever else they like to think <laughs> right. um but there's a big difference between knowledge knowing and application doing right hmm. so there's um there's something that i like to share with clients a lot which is um you know knowledge is not power until it is applied knowledge is just potential that's hmm. all of it that's good that is, it's absolute truth so for any of you leaders out there that um you know you may be dealing with a challenge whether it is internally or externally with some of your team or suppliers or vendors um the best advice i can really give would be the the stop looking outside no there's a there's a way of being when you're 100% responsible and accountable for any circumstance that you deal with and when mm. you think from that position there are no excuses there is nobody to blame there is only things to learn where you can grow and different more effective actions you can take yeah well i love that um so that's uh, adam kent with invictus consulting and we'll put all the links in the descriptions, all that. I assume that you don't work just with people in Las Vegas or that area. You probably open no, no. to actually, a lot of different I actually have a client in California stuff. I'm working with right now too. So um, I do remote, like especially with the Rona right now, right? Uh, oh, there's yeah. a lot of remote work and Zoom things. Um, so I'm more than happy to catch up over Zoom, shoot me an email, a text, call me, whatever works for you. If you want to get in touch and I can help in any way, I'm here, you know, like it's just about adding value and making a difference, as I said. But quite honestly, guys, if any of you are out there, and I'm sorry, Ryan, I have to do this, but if any of you are out there listening and you are very familiar and comfortable and love the Enneagram, right? Being an Enneagram podcast, call Ryan. I'm telling you, like this guy <laughs> knows his stuff. I've, I've literally dealt with uh, and known tens and you know, possibly hundreds of coaches that I've met in Australia and in America. And Ryan is one of the few gems of coaches that actually understands and applies the things that he teaches many many people out there just simply know and do not apply call him book an appointment have the conversation because he will make a difference to you and your team well i appreciate that we'll see if i edit that out of the podcast or not. <laughs> um, after all it is mine so <laughs> i know but it's true you know it's true it is. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to jump on here today and have the chat and um, share some of your insights with people. I know that um, it was super interesting to me and there's definitely uh, some stuff that I'll, I'll be taking from the conversation and I'm sure that listeners will have had the same experience with it. So appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for the time, Ryan. It was really great to catch up again. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us today on another Enneagram podcast. As fellow leaders, we know it can be frustrating when it seems like you always run into the same problems on your team with the same people. But leaders just like you are learning how to lead their teams better using the Enneagram and you can too. So if you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media and leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably only good you know, reviews and ratings. That would be great. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram or at another Enneagram or head over to our website, anotherenneagram.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Another Enneagram Podcast.